This is 975-1280 the Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 the Zone. We're gonna talk to uh, talk to Matt Harpering coming up here momentarily. Of course, Matt uh, does the broadcast, the color analysis on uh, the broadcast with Bowler, and we'll get his thoughts on this young Utah Jazz season and what he's seeing going on out there. Yeah, looking forward to talking with Matt because you and I have had an interesting conversation today about the Jazz, and I'm curious to hear what Matt has to say about some of these things. Yeah, no doubt, uh, no doubt about it, and it, it's kind of been one of those interesting seasons where, it, you know, there's a there was a lot to get excited about uh, from a Jazz perspective from the San Antonio game, and a lot to get excited about a Portland game, and I, I'm throwing the Clipper game in there too. But then you look at the Suns game and the Minnesota game, and it just looked so different. I think it's it's fascinating to talk about what exactly those differences uh, what yeah. what those differences are. Well, let's ask him. All right, let's get out to the zone phone. Of course, he makes the magic happen on AT and T Sportsnet. He's Matt Harpering with us here on the Big Show. Hi, Matt. Happy New Year. Hey, Happy New Year to you guys too. Hey, so we're we've uh, been trying to diagnose this uh, on the show today, Matt. I want to get your opinion on it. The Jazz uh, against San Antonio last night, offensively specifically, looked amazing. They looked amazing against Portland, and I thought they looked really good against the Clippers too. So we'll throw that in there. But it looked so different than their games against the Suns and the Timberwolves. What do you think was that difference? I think one was how uh, the Timberwolves and how the Suns guarded the Jazz a bit. I thought that in those games, they pressured the Jazz a little bit more. They try to be more physical with them. Um, they got in front of the route running. They just kind of made life a little bit more difficult. And, you know, when that happens and it takes you out of a rhythm, uh, it changes the game, right? And then I, I don't think the Jazz played particularly well in those ball games either. So it's like a combination of uh, the other team playing good defense and then the Jazz not really in rhythm offensively. And and then you have the recipe for, you know, a loss. I think if the Jazz shot better in those couple games that they've lost, uh, it would have been a different outcome. So, Matt, is I, I've been thinking about this, and I wonder when the Jazz win, they typically do shoot the ball quite well. Is it just the nature of basketball that sometimes they're going to look really good and sometimes they're going to look really bad? I mean, it sounds yeah, so simplistic, you, you mean... but... I know. You mean the team that scores more points wins? Yeah, um, exactly. But but are, is that is that just to be expected with a team that relies heavily on three point shooting? Yeah, I, I think it's more of what you just said there. I think this year this team is relying a little bit more on the three point shot than in years past. I think you know it's been evident now when they're when they're out making shots, their defense becomes a little bit better. Uh, they play more confident the ball kind of zings around the perimeter you know if you watch the game last night against san antonio you just saw san antonio scrambling on so many different possessions and that's just the extra pass their spacing was great um and then you know, they would have almost on the fourth or fifth pass you know the san antonio big man having to go run out and then they're playing in a kind of in san antonio is playing in a disadvantaged state so the jazz i thought the game plan was terrific just on how the spurs play defense um, you know, I think, and then the reads are getting a lot better on the pick and rolls. Um, and the other thing that I really noticed last night was the pass aheads and how much they are getting the rebound and then the quick outlet, and then they're passing the ball ahead to try to score early in the shot clock. You could tell that's been a point of emphasis this year with Coach Quinn Snyder in training camp on how they want to score the basketball. I think they've realized that when you wait late in the shot clock, 
not only did you probably not get the best shot in that possession already, but now you're up against the clock and you're getting a worse uh, a worse shot, a worse percentage shot. Matt, I want to ask you uh, about Shaquille O'Neal. He made some comments about uh, Rudy Gobert on a podcast. I'll just uh, read a quick quote. He said, quote, I'm looking at the BS contract that your boy from Utah just got. I'm not going to hate, but this should be an inspiration to all the little kids out there. You average 11 points in the NBA. You can get $200 million. Why, why is uh, Shaq picking on Rudy? Is he just jelly? Yeah, I, I read that and saw that. You know, it's to me, those words are, it's just, it's not the right thing to do. Um, I, I respect Shaq, and you know, it's first of all, it's out of context. It's not why Rudy got paid all that money. It's not because he scores 11 points a game. And you know, to tell little kids that or the casual fan uh, and kind of belittle what Rudy does is not right. And I think Shaq knows that he's. It's not the 11 points, and just because if you average 11 points, you're going to make a lot of money. That's that's. That's the wrong message to send out. Rudy Gobert is the best defender in the NBA, and he's been so for two straight years. And if you watch the game and how much he impacts the paint and interior, um, there's not a question he's the best rim protector in the NBA. And he just changes shots. You know, just his presence alone. Sometimes he's not even um, at the at the rim or at the ball. And you see guys miss layups because they just know that he's around and they're worried about him all the time. And and that is why. Um, you know, it's the offensive side of things. Yeah, it's the 11 points. I get it. It's kind of factual because, yes, he does average 11. But to me, that's totally out of context, and it's the wrong word to spread about Rudy. Uh, two things rolled into one here. Uh, the first is Jake brought this up earlier, and I thought it was a really good observation that Donovan Mitchell you know, struggled a little bit with his efficiency in a couple of those games. And uh, Jake said he was interested in seeing how he would react to that. And instead of trying to play hero ball and take over games from start to finish, he actually was trying to share the ball with his teammates. And his teammates started hitting shots and the Jazz started winning games. That was crafty on Donovan Mitchell's part. I want to get your thought on that. But also, in conjunction with that, I thought it was really interesting that Bogdanovich has been in a little bit of a slump, and what do they do in that game yesterday? They feed the man the ball, and he goes 10 of 13, 6 of 7 for yeah. 3. So are, those two things are related, aren't they? Yeah, you know, I, well, you know, I'm going to start with Bogey. You know, for, for me, Bogey, I, I think Coach Quinn Snyder, it's exactly if you're a player and you're struggling and you're going through a little shooting slump, it's, it's the exact recipe, it's the exact Thing that you would want a coach to do, and that's to draw up a couple plays early in the ball game, uh, be the focal point, and say, "Hey, hey, Bogey, we're going to get you an easy one, a close to the rim, high percentage shot, uh, get you going early." And that's exactly uh, what happened last night. It got him going. There's not a doubt that he's a terrific shooter. You know, every everyone struggles at times uh, with their confidence and, and the, men, the mental side of the game as a player. And I think you know, Bogey was outwardly talked about it and how he was struggling a bit. Um, but then as soon as you see the ball go in a few times and you get the rhythm back, he's an elite player. He's an elite shooter. And he has the capability of having the breakout game like he just had, you know, once again. And, you know, to me, this is this is more the bogey that you're going to see. I think the outlier is the games that he's off. And you're not going to play all 72 games this year and just being on fire. That's just not the way um, the world works in, in basketball. And, and bogey's going to have some off games, but he's going to have more good games than not. Um, you know, with Donovan, same type of thing. Donovan is so elite at scoring that, you know, he's going to have times when he struggles and he just, the maturity of his game 
has got to kind of step up when that happens and say, okay, I, I know I'm good, and if I'm struggling today, where do, where's my where's my bread buttered? What do I need to do? Maybe I need to go with force and just go to the rim and get something easier instead of settling for a floater because uh, he's got the ability to score at will. Um, and then that will open up his outside jump shot. But I thought in the first quarter last night, Donovan was absolutely terrific. He was just focused. He was dialed in. I think he had a quick eight points, you know, a three, a couple threes right away in the first quarter. But he's going to have opportunity. Um, He's a rhythm type guy. We've seen it time and time again, and he can score, you know, one-on-one isolations with the best of anyone in the league. Matt, uh, remembering what type of player uh, that you were for a long time, I'm curious to your answer to this question. Who's your favorite player in the league to watch right now? Um, you know, there's a lot. I, 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 it's kind of like I, I take something from uh, a lot of different players. So there, there might be one thing about one player that I'm like, oh, I really like the way this guy hustles or goes after a rebound, or I like how this guy shoots. I, you know, I love how Steph Curry shoots the ball and how he comes and, and then how he played last night. I mean, if you watch him play, he's playing with such great emotion. He was just playing with joy. He was come down. He was. He looked like the old Steph. Uh, but then I love the guys that you just get, get grinded out. They get out there and they work hard, um, you know. And so I don't have one guy that I look forward to. I, I, I see a lot of stuff like tomorrow night. And I, I'm really looking forward to Kevin Durant. He's one of the guys that I watch. And um, in for fans, you know, the size and measurements alone from Durant and to see what he can do with the basketball and how quick and how he can score at will, it's impressive. It's impressive to watch a seven-footer um, – come back from an Achilles injury. And, I, you know, that that's impressive uh, on that front, but just how easily he can score. And, and I want to see if he can be, a, you know, a top two, top three player again like he was before he left with the injury. Matt, I need your help uh, in regard to turnovers because <laughs> of all the things, some people don't seem to be as bothered by turnovers as I am. It just seems like such a waste to turn the ball over. But if the Jazz are going to be doing what you mentioned earlier and getting the ball out in transition quicker, and you saw, we all saw that pass from Rudy last night that he looked like uh, Tom Brady, you know, firing the ball down the floor for an easy two. So is it acceptable to have more turnovers when you're picking up the pace? So to me, that's a loaded question. Um, you know, turnovers are different in every game. If the pace is high and you're going up and down and there's 120 points in a game, 125 in a game, then you're going to have a high turnover game most likely. If you're in a low possession game, um, the turnovers, the higher you get, I mean, that's going to greatly affect the game. Uh, my other point on turnovers would be not all turnovers are created equal. The, the top of the key, the above the break turnovers – that we had a couple of those last night where you just make the lazy pass and they intercept it and they go in for a quick, easy two. Those are killers. Um, there's sometimes when, let's just say, you're, you know, Rudy's trying to set a screen and he comes off and he gets called for an offensive foul. That's a turnover, but it's not in the same margin as the one, that lazy pass that gives up the, the two easy points. Um, and the other thing about turnovers, too, is you, you don't want to clump them together, right? If, you, if you're going to have the turnovers, you kind of need to spread, spread them out because that's when teams – go on runs especially when you're on the road so you know those those things is you got to limit the the amount and in, in where they are and how they are and i guess the last thing would be in the last three minutes of a ball game you, you just can't afford to turn a ball over you got to get a shot on every possession in a close game especially when you head into the the big games and, and into the playoffs because that's when the possessions matter and you can't you can't afford to give up an easy one 
Matt Harpring is with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Matt, what's a realistic expectation for this Jazz team as far as where they're going to finish in the West? You know, the West is so hard. Literally, I think there's probably 12, 13 teams that think that they're going to make the playoffs this year in the West, Um, and they they can. Uh, Every night's going to be a grind. So one is going to be who's going to stay healthy throughout the year uh, into the, the crunch time of the season. No question the Jazz can be, in my view, top four team, top three team even. Um, but they got to stay consistent on the defensive end. Um, and offensively, you know, they're going to have some nights when they just don't shoot the ball well. And we've seen a couple of those nights already, and that's when they're going to lose, uh, when you when you talk about playoffs. Um, if they can limit those nights and they play like they did against Portland or even the Clippers or last night, there's not a doubt in my mind they can beat any team um, because I think the defense is going to remain constant. I think Rudy's going to be there. Um, and then Favors comes in, and, you know, they have 48 minutes of, of great center and great rim protection. So that's a plus. And so, I, you know, I look at the West, and, you know, obviously you got to give it to the Lakers. They get the nod. Um, winning the championship last year, bringing everyone back, they might even be better this year. So um, outside the Lakers, I don't know who's really – the Jazz would be, um, you know, up against and say, well, they can't beat that team. So I, I think they're right there. Heard you talking about it on the uh, on the telecast, uh, Matt. Mike Conley's return to being Mike Conley again. Uh, will you explain in a player's mind what happens or what do you think happened with him that took him a little time to adjust? Well, change. You know, he played in Memphis his entire career. Marcus Gasol is a lot different than Rudy Gobert. Uh, just different personnel. He he had a different. Um, he's a great leader at Memphis, but he had the ball in his hands, and he was expected to do different things than he was expected to do with Utah. And I think it was all a little bit of a shock. It's just the entire um, change in scene, change in teams, having different personnel, having people on the team that um, he didn't know yet. I think that all went into it last year. Then he had some injuries. And I just think it just didn't go like he wanted it to go. Uh, I think he had some time, and then you had the bubble Conley come out, and he was terrific in the bubble. And then he's just, he just more comfortable. And you just see it. Even on the pick and rolls, he comes off. He's taking his time. He's not in a rush. He's not throwing up you know, the floaters, uh, the out-of-control floaters. It just seems like he knows what he wants, and he's just waiting on it, and he's reading defenses right now extremely well. And he's just letting the game come to him. The three-point shot, he's always been a great three-point shooter. But I think he's realized that there's so many weapons on the court that he can just chill out for a little while. He doesn't always have to have the ball in his hands, and that ball is going to find him if he's open. And he's going to make it. He's going to make the shot. Um, and any given night, you know, Conley doesn't have to score 25 points a night like he did with Memphis. He can score you know, 14 one night and have his 25 the next night. He can have 33 like he did the other night. But then he can go back and – and maybe score 14, and, and the Jazz can still win games. And I think it's just it's just different. And he's now accepting that role that, okay, as long as we win, I'm, I'm okay with that. I think in Memphis he had to have the, 20, the 22 points a night for them to even compete and, and win. So, Matt, you were known as an unselfish player. Would you agree with that? I mean, that was part of your mentality, right? Well, I <laughs> – I hope. Go ahead. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I think I think you did a lot of the the dirty work. Well, thank you. you. I appreciate but, it. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean that you were an unselfish player. So I want you to put yourself on this Jazz team 
And let's say now that you're, you know, you're, let's say you're 39 years old and you're playing and you're on the floor with Jordan Clarkson. And when he gets the ball, it seems like <laughs> more often than not, it's going up. Does that bother you or are you ha- go for it, Jordan, just score all day long or t- try to score all day long because of your ability in that regard? What do you think about that? Well, you know, what I figured out when I first got into the NBA is there's one basketball and there's a lot of great scores and you need to find a niche, right? So if you don't have a niche, um, you're going to struggle trying to find playing time in, in an NBA game. Uh, Jordan Clarkson is a is a shooter. He's a he's a scorer. That's what he does. If you don't allow him to do that, he becomes not himself, and that's not why um, you want him on a team. You want him on your team to do Jordan Clarkson things. You want him to be the sixth man. You want him to be the guy to go out there, and he has the potential to go on an eight to ten point run by himself. Uh, that's a game changing type thing uh, when you talk about a game. Um, does it frustrate you at times? Yeah, you know, I played with a guy named Allen Iverson, and there wasn't a lot of shots to go around when I played in Philly. But that's, you know, you respect Allen, and that's just who he was. And if you go to Philly and you play with Allen, you say, well, this is the way it is. You don't like it, there's the door. Um, you know, like Jordan Clarkson is going to score. That's what Coach Quinn Snyder, that's what this Jazz team needs. So as a role player, as a guy that you got to fill in, you got to figure out, okay, what what is needed for me now? Because that role is set for Jordan Clarkson. Now I need a rebound. Now I need to be a defender. I need to be a glue guy. I need to get some help defense. You know, there's a lot of things that go into a game that help you win. And so the little things is when there's some other players on the team that they got to pick up that side of it. And when that happens, um, you know, the team is good. So, Jake, you mind if I sneak one more in? Please. Okay, Matt, uh, we got you here, so we're grabbing a hold here. Okay. But uh, we, Jake and I had another conversation earlier, and I, th- I thought it was interesting. If we were talking about, for instance, Bogdanovich, last night, yesterday, he got hot, and he, I was sitting there going, man, he can't miss. Get him the ball. Is that productive to do that, to go out of your way to get a hot player the ball, or does that disrupt your offense so that you should continue to do what you normally do, even when a guy has the hot hand going like that? Um, okay, so there's there's hot and there's red hot, right? I mean, a lot of guys think they're hot, and, you know, Bogey last night was hot when he got off the bus last night. I mean, he came in and was just ripping nets. So when you see that and you see a guy that, that's, that happens, that's when you do need to find the ball to him because he's feeling it. And, you know, there's players that get into a zone, and when they're in a zone, they, you know, I've seen that happen live. I've seen it happen against me. Um, it's hard to stop. And so it doesn't last forever. And so these these spurts of, you know, three, four minutes when guys are in zones, yeah, they absolutely try to find bogey the ball. But don't do it outside the offense to where it makes, you know, he's, he's taking some terrible shots. Do it so where you know where he is and he's located. So maybe your your draw and kick is a little bit deeper to draw on a guy to know him that bogey's hot. I got to try to feed him in the corner. Uh, maybe there's two guys open on the perimeter, and you know, okay, there's let's just say right now Mike Conley's up top and bogey's on fire on the wing. Maybe I'm faking it to Conley and passing it to Bogey because he's the guy with the hot hand. It's just the little things that maybe they're both open, but I'm gonna tend toward the hot guy right now. Um, but it's not one of those things where it says, okay, bogey, we're gonna cross half court. Here's the ball. Go isolation. Go one on one. That's that's not that's not what I mean by that. Matt, thank you very much, and we'll be watching on AT and T Sportsnet. Appreciate it. All right, cool guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, see you. Thank you, Matt. Matt Harpering.
course, uh, color analyst uh, for the Jazz broadcast on AT&T Sportsnet. Uh, Gordon, I have some uh, bad news. Uh, just moments ago, Dante Exum left the game for the Cavs uh, with a non-contact injury. Um, I hate to do online speculation thing, but most of the speculation on Twitter is maybe it's an Achilles. Oh, jeez, come on. That dude, talk about a, a guy who just can't buy a break. Yeah, that's – He's he's made he's made good money playing basketball, but man, that is tough, tough luck. That, that is because that you know people talk about sometimes. Well, get yourself in shape, and you're less likely to get injured. An injury like that has nothing to do with how in shape you are. Yeah. At least a I'm lot not of a his doctor, but it seems like that that's just what happened. Not be conditioned, you know, or lack thereof. Well, a lot of his injuries have been that way, right? Remember the shoulder that he hurt yeah. during the preseason? I mean, uh-huh. it, it, he fell on it. I mean, that had yeah. nothing to do with his workout regiment in the offseason, you know? And when he tore his knee the first time, that was playing in the offseason with the international team, wasn't it? The Australian international team? Yeah. I yeah. mean, man, that's – I just – I do. I. You're right. He's made plenty of money. He's going to be fine in the grand scheme of things, but – Talk about a dude who just can't catch a break. I, he yeah. was playing well for the Cavs, too. They were they were using him in a really great role. He was defending threes. He was kind of their defensive specialist. And uh, was, was you know, you heard Matt right there talking about finding a niche. Right. I mean, he was kind of finding his niche with the Cavs. You know, the situation with Utah since he was a top five pick, you know, there was always kind of that expectation of more. He got a clean start with Cleveland. Uh, in fact, they gave up a nice piece in Jordan Clarkson, obviously, to get him. So they obviously thought there was some value there. And just, uh, man, uh, I hope it's not an Achilles, but it, 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 it's not looking good. Think about the rehab that guy has been through, yeah. Jake. We we see these guys, and they're almost like gladiators. You know, they're out there in the arena working hard and doing playing their game, and they get paid a lot of money like we were talking about. And yet – this guy, injury after injury, and how much time has he spent rehabbing by himself or with a trainer, trying to get back, fighting to get back, and then getting back and then having something else come up? That that takes an awful lot of resolve to do that. And I know they make a lot of money, but that that is uh, that is a human challenge for sure for him. We we wish him the best. Yeah, it's brutal. Brutal. All right. We'll have more Big Show coming up next. We have sounds of various clips right around the corner. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. If you missed yesterday's uh, sounds uh, uh, of various uh, clips, then you won't know exactly what we're talking about right now. But that is definitely appointment radio, isn't it? Time for Sounds of Various Clips, also known as Drop of the Day. You ready to roll, Gordon? Yes, I am. All right. The lead-in I've been given for this uh, particular uh, bit of audio is don't eat icicles or uh, purchase this product. Okay. A meteorologist with a warning about why you should not eat icicles. Yes. Yes. Please don't do that. 
that? I'm a meteorologist. I should know. When icicles form, it's from water that melts off of your roof and runs down the side of a building. Well, here's the thing. You know what else is on your roof? Bird poop. A lot of it. And that water picks it up and freezes it in the ice. You're eating poop. Scraping ice off a windshield is never fun. Oh, my hand. Until now. Introducing Scraper Scooper. It scrapes the ice, scoops it into a funnel cup. Now add any juice and you have... Before school snow cones. Cool. Sure is. Blended drinks are good. But how about ice cream? What? Just pour cold milk, salt, and sugar on your windshield. Start scraping. And now your cup is filled with delicious ice cream. Mmm. Mine has Oreo cookie in it. Oh, no. Always make sure you start with a clean windshield. Ew, bird dookie. Scraper scooper. Making cold mornings yum. <laughs> you know, those are two words, Jake, I've never heard on our show. Uh, bird dookie? Is that, is, that what, is that what he said? I believe so. But and, how, now, and now you've said it. Now, how dare that meteorologist... <laughs> Ruin icicles for kids. Well, well, now, what on, kid uh, doesn't love breaking off the icicle and eating it? Which of these audios do you think was the real audio? And which one was the original comedy? Well, I'm pretty sure that the scraper was the comedy. <laughs> They're both pretty out there. They are both pretty out there. What meteorologist is like? This is why I went to college. This is why I have this job to warn <laughs> to about warn people. icicles. Yeah, but you're right. Little kids eating icicles. Eating icicles. I, I ate icicles as a kid. I survived. Deal with it. What does this crusader have to ruin something for America's children? Does that uh, does that sort of uh, build up the uh, the resistance to germs uh, somehow being helpful rather than hurtful? Who cares? It's an icicle. It's winter, <laughs> and they're kids. It's not about good or bad. It's about a kid walking by some icicles and breaking it off and eating one. Yeah, but who wants to eat something that's that's freezing inside off the root of the surface of your roof? Ew, bird dookie. Don't think about it. How about how much uh, stuff? Don't think about uh, it. How many things do kids do that that uh, adults wouldn't because of germs or, or bird poop or something? Well, whatever. They're kids. Let them live and make it good. Let them live. So, so yesterday when uh, I and my wife and our daughter were playing in the snow, I should have let her eat the snow next to the ice melt. On the sidewalk? Sure, why not? Okay. That happened yesterday. I was think, really worried. You think, you think salty snow would be a good idea for uh, for Austin's dog? Filled with calcium nitrate or whatever it is. I mean, I've got a toddler. She's rolling around on the ground 24-7. Lord knows what's down there. I don't know. <laughs> that doesn't make it good. It makes it normal. It's kids. You know, when we uh, were leaving the hospital with our daughter, they had this little seminar we had to go through to make sure that we were, you know, not meth heads. And uh, Uh, one of those uh, warnings was don't use the changing tables in the public restroom stalls because of things that go on in the in the public restroom on the changing tables. Were we being paranoid by following that advice? I used changing tables in public restrooms all the time. What do you use if you don't use the changing table? Uh, her diaper bag came with a little rollout thing. Oh, he always used the pad, sure. I mean, that but just, on the on koala the cha- care or whatever the, it is. Yeah, on the changing table. Look, Jake, I'm torn on this. Because on the one hand, you think, uh, let a kid be a kid. On the other hand, who wants to put their child in any kind of 
disadvantageous health situation. Ew, bird dookie. It's not disadvantageous. And by the way, can I complain about sexism here for a second? Okay. It, this is what I discovered Left with, turn. With, with, a, with a baby. <laughs> there, there are so many establishments out there that have koala care, the, the changing tables in the every women's restroom in, in town, but how many that don't have it in the men's? It's so obnoxious to go into a we men's have them here room. In the we men's do room. have them here. Uh, yeah, in the I've seen room. them and in a lot of men's rooms. But Come you'd on, be Jake. surprised how many don't have them. And by the way, when was the last time you even paid attention to where a changing table was? Oh, I see those all the time. I've, I've always been aware of that. Come on. You never know when you might have to, you know, utilize something like that Come when on. you have young children. You don't have young children. I did. You're you're discounting my experience I, yeah, when it happened go, to, to be like two years I, ago. But I still <laughs> see it. I still see a lot of them. I, I agree with Austin. I've seen a lot of changing tables. And yes, there are some. Thank you for that. But there are a lot that don't have them, Gordon. Trust me, I just experienced this. Why are you arguing? So what do you do? Does that does <laughs> that does that does that thing uh, to argue on? Does that? <laughs> entitle you to head into the women's restroom no it just bugs me that that society is assuming that only women are changing the diapers now we know that that was the case in the monson household but for a lot of us out there sans five times five times yeah not not true not true at all you guys are badly underselling i I don't know why our source told us yeah and really close to the situation whoa (laughs) whoa oh boy last time i called someone a liar on uh on anybody show on this station i got that press release uh, sent out uh okay she was kidding uh-huh. she said uh-huh. kidding right now gordon Teasing. you had Joking. no experience where you had a child put their hands in a urinal right so yes, i don't know uh, that you should be yeah. casting stones here huh? i just don't know yeah, how that- gordon why he would pick this to argue with <laughs> I went into plenty of places. What was I on acid? I didn't uh, like. Uh, did they hide the changing table from me? Quick, Jake's coming. Uh, hide it immediately. <laughs> you're right. You're in more need of that than I am these days. <laughs> right. It's been a minute since you've had uh, kids in the uh, the changing stage of life. Maybe I've been going into the wrong restrooms. I don't know. I've just seen a lot of changing tables. There are some, but my whole point was you'd be surprised how many there aren't. Have you, either of you, ever had to, in an emergency situation, use the other gender's bathroom? I have. Oh, yeah, sure. I have as well, and it's frightening. Oh, I've been walked in on while I was (laughs) using the others. Well, because I don't want anyone to walk in on me and go, you ain't supposed to be here. Let's call the authorities. Oh, no, that happened Was it a large bathroom? Yeah, Was that a large bathroom that um, had a a, a lot of uh, equipment in there, or is it just one where you could lock the door? No, it was a public restroom with many different uh, accoutrements and stalls. Wasn't just See, a one person use. Here's the thing. I mean, I know, and maybe this is a controversial statement, and so I, I, I'm sorry if this is going to anger anyone. But having lived over in Europe for a considerable amount of time, uh, a bathroom's a bathroom, and people are in there and, you know, uh, using it, uh, men and women. And, uh, you know, it didn't seem to be much of a problem. But and if you've got to go, there's no reason not to head into the uh, the women's head and use it, in my opinion. Now, am I breaking the law? Am I am I asking people to break the law? I mean, is that a good enough excuse to go into the women's room? Uh, that's a good. That's uh, I don't know, Gordon. I've never been to Europe myself, so 
But I mean, here in America, I mean, if you got to go, you got to go. And would you think an officer would be uh, forgiving if uh, you went in there and then came out and he saw you come out of the women's restroom? I've had similar experiences and it was uncomfortable. All right. We'll have more coming up next. Stay tuned. Big Show 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. You know who's having a bad day, Gordon? Somebody over at ESPN. What happened? Uh, They got duped by a fake Adam Schefter report. What happened? A fake Adam Schefter Twitter, which, by the way, this isn't even a good fake because they they don't have a unique Twitter handle. It's just just the name on there. They changed to Adam Schefter and changed the picture. Uh, The the actual Twitter address or whatever is at Tua Needs Help. So really, ESPN should have been better than this. But uh, the fake Adam Schefter tweeted out, Dolphins have parted ways with offensive coordinator Chan Gailey, per source, followed by a a complete write-up from ESPN on ESPN.com, breaking it down. The Miami Dolphins have parted ways with offensive coordinator Chan Gailey, a source told ESPN's Adam Schefter. And then, uh, yeah, they had to walk it back and... Someone over there had to admit, like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really look into that. That's a little bit of an issue these days because so much stuff is flying around, you know. And uh, it's, I think it's easier to get duped now than it ever has been. Well, this is, listen, uh, we, could, we could sit here and talk about how aggregating news is, is bad news because nobody's actually doing the news. They're just <laughs> repeating what somebody else is reporting. You know, confirming it. There's like two people on the planet that are actually reporting stuff, and the rest is just people trying to get clicks off of other people's work. Uh, but this is this is an easy one. You look at the Twitter account and you go, "Is that Adam Schefter's?" Or how about this? Adam Schefter works at ESPN. Why don't you get him on the horn? <laughs> that might help. So, but you're right. People are eager to get it first, and, or if not first, second. And ship it out there because uh, that does draw eyes. I mean, it's one thing if you're doing a live radio show. Like, well, I think it was Christian Cox that got uh, duped by a fake Twitter account when he was live on the radio. But it's one thing if you're just following your Twitter feed and quickly repeat something. But you're, you're doing an article, right? Yeah, right, right. So that, you think you'd, changes it. you might confirm it a little bit mm-hmm. and, and decide that at Tua Needs Help is not, in fact, Adam Schefter. Indeed. I once uh, said something uh, that that another writer had reported, which was a fake rumor that had been reported on a website. And then I got blamed for it because I trusted the writer 
who got duped. So I guess we both got duped. Was it PK? No. Was it Kurt Cragthorpe? No, it was not. Steve Loom? Nope. Brad Rock? Nope. Brian T. Smith? <laughs> nope. <laughs> You're not going to sell out who it was? No. What was I it in regards shouldn't. to? I can't even remember you now. You can too. Come on. I don't recall. It had something to do with a coaching search, I think. But, uh, yeah, I got it. I got it from the writer. But the writer had been duped, and that, and it was a it was a good writer, a writer that I trusted and was really good at what he did. But uh, I guess the point to that is that anybody can be tricked uh, at one time or another. I suppose, but this is a, a, a quite foolish one. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I just uh, I thought that was funny, so I thought I'd bring it up with you, Gordon. You have a column up about uh, Jeff Grimes leaving for Baylor. Uh, give us the gist. Yeah, that, that column goes back through Jeff's history and talks about some of his background and then applies that to why he, he some of the reasons he would be interested in going to Baylor. And so it, it goes through that whole process. Uh, check it out at sltrib.com if you want. Uh, Jeff Jeff is a guy worth reading about, I think. And this this move on his part. It's, it's kind of a lateral move as far as the position itself goes. It's not like he's leaving for a head coaching job. He's leaving for the same job he had at BYU. But there are, there are deep-seated reasons, I think, that come into play in this particular case. So I think it would be of interest to BYU fans to check that out. Well, I, you know, among the reasons and personal ones, and he's run down there and all that, but I, if he wants to be a, a head coach um... – Maybe this, he feels, gives himself a little bit better path. Because as you know, Gordon, when you're in different conferences and things like that, it's different circles. Uh, well, you know? he was already a finalist for the assistance award. Is that the Frank Royals Award, yeah. I think? Mm-hmm. And and he, he was a finalist for that. And so he got a lot of run this year and a lot of publicity. Uh, and, and this is what happens with coaches. A lot of times they will uh, – well, forgive me for saying it this way, but – a ride the uh, success of some of the great players they have, and he definitely did that this year. I'm not saying he had nothing to do with it, but uh, I think a lot of people can look like pretty good coordinators when they have the talent that BYU had this year on the offensive side of the ball, led, of course, by a, a guy who's going to get drafted in the first half of the first round uh, in the NFL draft. So uh, that that uh, is a good time for him to take advantage of that. But I don't know. We'll have to wait and see how it goes for him at Baylor. Uh, will, will he have the same kind of offensive success there as he had this last year at BYU? I, I don't know the answer to that, but he must have been convinced that he could. And uh, money might have had something to do with it as well. But also he's from Texas and he's he was raised a Baptist, and Baylor happens to be a, a Baptist university. So th- there's there's some there are some connections there for him. But I go back through his decision making process as far as wanting to become a coach and how that happened, and uh, some of that background. So it, it's fun to think about these guys and most people of all walks of life have interesting backstories, and Jeff uh, is obviously included in that. 
The best thing he did for BYU and the legacy that I think, well, I hope he leaves because I hope they continue it on for BYU's sake, is he brought the offensive line back to BYU as being a priority. Throughout, you know, Lavelle's heydays, Gordon, that was one thing you could always count on with BYU was big, mean, tough offensive linemen that that played their brains out. And, And that continued under Croton. And even though some of those teams weren't that good, there were a lot of good offensive linemen on those teams. And when Bronco, uh, you know, kind of evolved as a head coach at BYU and he moved on to the Dr. Bob, go fast, go hard, that stopped being an emphasis. And they started wanting skinnier linemen that were in better shape and all this stuff. And, and I guess that's a way to go. But when you're BYU, you can recruit big, mean, tough, physical offensive linemen, and I I think Jeff bringing that emphasis back to BYU uh, was a big part of the reason that that the BYU offense was what it was this year, and I think that that needs to continue on for BYU to uh, to be a success. You know, before this year, Gordon, do you know who the last offensive lineman drafted at BYU was? Uh, Who was it? Scott Young. Back oh, in really? 03, 04, I think. I'd have to go back and look at it. Early 2000s. But Scott Young was the last offensive lineman taken. That I mean, from a school that produced the likes of, like, John Tate, I mean, that seems inexcusable to me. I can't believe they went away from that. And and Grimes brought back that emphasis on dra- on on making BYU offensive lines really, really good. 2005, said Austin. Fifth round, Scott Young in 05. And that'll, that's going to change this year with Brady Christensen, obviously. But yeah, I mean, that's a long time, man. That'll be – and it'll be important for whoever takes over for Grimes that he continues to stress that. Let me read you this quote. This is something that Jeff Grimes told me years ago, and it fits exactly what you just said, Jake. He said, and I quote, I want guys who can impose their will on others. I tell guys to finish a block even if, even if a defender is out of a play. I want my offensive lineman to put him on the ground and have all 300 pounds land on him just so he knows how that feels. I'm not talking about diving at a guy's knees. I'm talking about physical aggression. If we block well, our quarterbacks will complete passes. Our running backs will find holes. If we do a good job, we'll win most of our games. What we're asking and telling these guys is you won't be on TV. You won't make headlines. But when you limp off the field into the locker room together after a game, you can look at each other and have a great sense of pride and accomplishment. And then he said this, I have a standard that I will not change. Everyone stays tough. Everyone plays hard on every play. That's what I ask. That's what I want. And that's that's an attitude that uh, <laughs> it helps if you're talented. And if you've had if you've got strength and skill, uh, to add to that, but uh, that that pretty well wraps up what Jeff Crimes wants out of his offensive line and what BYU should stress moving forward in his absence. And we'll see which direction they go. I think we all expect them to uh, to hand the reins fully on over to Aaron Roderick and uh, maybe uh, get your use that coaching spot for some uh, additional help elsewhere. But uh, we'll see what happens uh, with BYU replacing Grimes. I would guess we'll we'll find out here shortly. Uh, all right, coming up next, uh, we have the uh, the Utah State Coaches Show on 1280 AM uh, for hoops. Uh, if For those of you who want to continue on with the big show, uh, do so on 97.5 FM. More big show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We've got everything going on. 
wrapping up a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. New year, Gordon, and uh, Mondays come and go still, apparently. They do, and we've had a lot of fun today. Been a good show, good day, lots to talk about, uh, and uh, yeah, we've had fun. So hopefully uh, 2021 will be a little better than the last time around. Uh, still, str- still struggling with some things, but hopefully we'll make some progress. Uh, Jazz take on the Brooklyn Nets coming up tomorrow night. If you're uh, just jumping into your car, uh, Kevin Durant will not be playing. He's out for a week thanks to COVID protocols, but uh, it'll be interesting to see the Jazz go up against this Nets team. I think, yeah, both- I think it's, it's interesting to watch the Jazz no matter who they play, just to see how this offense continues to evolve, uh, how the Jazz uh, react to – uh, playing defense and whether they can make improvement in that regard. I, f- I find it fascinating. I've really enjoyed it so far. Well, it, it should be fun. This is a long road trip. Uh, they've got four games this week. Well, actually, four if you count Sunday as part of this week, which I guess it, it technically is not. Uh, but the pacing of the season is going to be interesting. They've got a back-to-back on Tuesday and Wednesday with the New York teams. Um, I I wonder with playing all these games, I mean, usually it's uh, four games a week is a, kind of an exception, Gordon, not necessarily the rule. There are more three-game weeks or whatever, but I think we're going to see a lot of these. So, Jake, you've watched every game closely because you do the pre-half and post. Are you seeing any trends? Uh, how, about, how about consistencies? I think Rudy has been consistently really good. Yeah. Um, and that's on, on both sides of the ball. And the reason I give him a compliment offensively isn't necessarily because he's, you know, breaking, breaking ankles and torching uh, the other team. It's because the way he's contributed, I think, is really helpful. Because when the lob isn't necessarily going, Rudy hasn't disappeared from games. He's still impacting him where he can, you know, clean up baskets and those sorts of things. And we haven't heard him... Um, uh, talk about not getting the ball enough this year. Which yeah, I, I mean, last night's game was a great example of that. He was two of seven from the floor, and yet, what, 16 rebounds and six blocks, something yeah, along those he was still lines. Really and, good. Yep. Yeah, really impacted the Jazz in a, in a terrific way. So, yeah, that's one of many things to keep an eye on moving forward. All right, Gordo, we'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, sounds good. This Thanks. is a big show, 97.5 and 1280 the zone.